Hey, Elaine. Hello, hello, hello. We're back. We've not been that far away. No, but we might be soon. <laughs> Why? Why are you saying that? Because there's going to be nothing coming out very shortly, isn't oh, there? Oh, yeah, of course. I was thinking, oh, are we going away or something? But no, no, Hollywood is going away. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, for those people who aren't aware, um, there is currently both a writer's and a, a actor's sag, strike. SAG, something... Actors Guild. Screen Actors Guild. That's it. Yeah, yeah see? I, I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> um, yeah, so pretty shortly, there is going to be no films coming out. Mm. No American films, anyway. Yeah. There's going to be no TV. Yeah, because um, a lot of things American are American TV. On pause, aren't they? And I think a lot of productions cut it so tight with like filming, certainly reshoots and things like that, that there's going to be, like, this is going to happen pretty quickly. I mean, I think it's worth saying, I don't want to speak for you, but for me, I am totally with the oh, writers absolutely. and actors. And, well, you can, yes. as, as someone who is now putting on their bio, writer, as the first thing. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. that's what I'm doing now. Someone asked me the other day, do you think of yourself as a writer? And I was like, yes. And then I had to, like, sort of put my money where my mouth was and start putting writer on things. But yeah, as as a writer who is wanting to get paid for my writing. yeah. It, you you spend so much time creating this stuff that, probably not so much in my case, but in the likes of people who write Succession, for example, that people love and th- create memes about. And yes, that's a lot to do with the direction and the production and the acting and all the other things, but without the writing, there is nothing. So I'm very much for the, the writers. And I'm really pleased that the actors have come out in solidarity with the writers as well, because it gives it an extra boost, doesn't it? And when you've got the likes of Brian Cox, you know, just for the succession link going yeah. on, I'm sure he was on like either a woman's out. No, it was newscast. It was newscast. He was on the other night and he came on to talk specifically about the um, the strike and the value of, of writers and what he was doing and that. So, um, Yes, it's really important. And uh, I hope, I wish them all the best. Yeah. Um, but if all else fails, mm. do you know what industry isn't unionised? <laughs> Go on. Wrestling. Wrestling. Oh, we're back, back round to wrestling. Wrestling okay. will carry on because evil Vincent Mann um, has turned down every attempt to get wrestlers to unionise. So if you're um, performing the Honeymoon Period podcast drinking game, <laughs> then wrestling, ding, ding, ding. It's there already. They're all independent contractors. I mean, why, still would, going on about why would they need healthcare in <laughs> such a business? It's, yeah. Any more, any more for any more on wrestling? Or is that it for this week's episode? No, that's it for okay, now. Good. I don't think I can tie it up. Well, let's see. Let's play it <laughs> shall we? Let's see where we get to. Yeah. Right, so this week, mm. what have you got? I've got Hijack. Hijack. Apple TV's Hijack featuring oh. Idris Elba. Okay, I've got Secret Invasion. Okay. Uh, um, wow. <laughs> All right then. You've not watched this, to if be very must, clear. We must. Yeah, yeah, go on. And then um, for films, I've got the new Netflix animated film that's kind of big, popular Nimona but the big one is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 well done I'm not looking forward to typing that into the title of the podcast episode because <laughs> I tried to make it quite small so it all comes up in one go that's not going to happen yeah if this file is like 4 gigabytes big it's probably just the title <laughs> it's of, just the title yeah. watching television watching television Hijack or Secret Invasion? Let me do Secret Invasion <laughs> Go first. on then. I can do this pretty quickly. This is the latest MCU TV show. 
you are completely out on these, aren't you? I'm just putting my hand, just resting, resting my head on my hand and letting you go for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm out. What point did it lose you? Out of interest. Um, oh, but so I really loved WandaVision. I'll take my, ha- <laughs> take my head out of my hand now. Um, I really loved WandaVision. I stopped watching the one with the man who shoots a bow and arrow. What's his name? Hawkeye. Okay. Okay. I was partway through that. And then I sort of felt like I'd had enough. Oh, see, I really enjoyed Hawkeye. really enjoyed Hawkeye. I know you did. And it. Ju- I think I just had... You know, Too you get to a of level it. of yeah. like, enough, enough, enough. And then once you've had enough, you step away and it's quite difficult to come back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm the same with Star Wars. I I mean, everyone loved... And, what was it called? Andor? No. Oh, um, Andor. Yeah, I loved Andor. Yeah, I loved um, Andor I because just, it's not a Star Wars I've um, watched production. the first 15 minutes of that about four times with... <laughs> Yeah, Have with you st- Jez Moxley appearing, and that was it. Not done. You, I know you say this to me all the time, and I completely ignore you. But you, Thank you. really should please, please try one one last time and maybe get through a couple of episodes because it is it, it's a wonderful, wonderful show, and it's got a lot of heart in it, a lot of emotion. New people pop up all the time, so you'll enjoy that with naming ex-British sort of character actor. I know Moxie's in yeah. Moxie from... <laughs> Moxie. <laughs> Where's he from? Uh, oh, is it from... only Fools and Horses? No, Fools and Horses. Christopher right, Fairbanks. It, yeah. But anyway, more stuff like that happens. It, it's brilliant, but anyway, it's not an Andor podcast. So Secret Invasion. The yeah. only thing I know about this is that it has Samuel L. Jackson with his eye patch on. I don't know who that character is, really. Um, within the MCU, I know he pops up every now and again to sort of give. You don't know important... who Nick Cage is. Wait, Nick Cage. Wow, yeah, that's not his no, name. No, I don't know it? who Nick Cage is, but I know enough to know that it's not Nick Cage. Yeah, Nick Fury. <laughs> wow, that was a uh... yeah. Nick Cage would be better, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, I would understand that more. Yeah, I know he pops up every now and again to sort of impart some big information. But that's kind of all I really know. And he brings teams together and things like that. I'm just changing my notes because I've got Nick Cage all the way through <laughs> them. Yeah, clearly that's it. You don't know who Nick Cage is. So tell me about Secret Invasion. Where does this come from? Right. Have you seen Captain Marvel? Yes, but I can't remember anything that happened in it. Okay, so in that film, there was a group called the Skrull introduced who were an alien race who shapeshift. Yes, and is... Ben Mendelssohn. That's it. Yes. He's one of them, isn't yes, he? Yes, he is. Yes, right. Yeah. They have been trying to find a new home because of things that happen in Captain Marvel. Nick Fury, in the last few Marvel films, some of which you probably haven't seen, has been seen pissing about on a space station, in a spaceship, away from Earth. Um, and he has been trying to find them a new home. This is the story of him finding out that there might be more Skrull on Earth than he anticipated, and they might just fancy taking Earth as their own home. So we get people back from other MCU properties, Samuel Jackson, without an eye patch actually, oh, I think you'll find. Oh, right, yeah. Okay. Ben Mendelsohn comes back, um, Kirby Smulders comes back uh, from other Marvel properties. But we also have the addition of Amelia Clark in this. Uh, we have Olivia Coleman appearing in the MCU for the wow. first time. Oh, I like that. And the big bad is Kingsley Benadier. Yes. With a Welsh accent. Oh, amazing. Yes. I mean, this is 
this is very Le Carre light, shall we say. It's a dark spy thriller. It's lots of people talking in rooms and subterfuge. And the action is really saved for kind of once an episode. There might be like a little shootout at the end or something like that. But it's it's more Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy than... What was that really bad one where there was loads of action? Um, uh, but what was... It was... Um, I mean, you're really narrowing it down there. <laughs> it was Hawkeye... Uh, not Hawkeye. Um, the Winter Soldier one. The Winter... Falcon oh, and the Winter Falcon Soldier. Oh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was terrible. And, uh, Maybe that's where it left me as well. I definitely was out with yeah. that one. So, I think the problem this TV show has is that it is a very slow start. The first two episodes are an hour long, and it's lots of people talking in rooms, explaining what's happening, you know, explaining the plot to each other. And I found that a real drag. Um, it was a good like week and a half after watching the second episode that I even thought about the third one. It really does improve after that. The episodes get punchier. There is a few more you know, things happen. The problem with this is the shape-shifting element. And that is just a plot point and a trope that really puts me off. Is it because every time you're watching a scene, you're thinking, oh, that might not be who yeah, I think you, it is, and it's used repeatedly? Yeah, you can't invest. You can't invest because someone says something, and you're like, oh, I didn't expect them to say that. They're definitely a scroll. Mm. And most of the time, oh, look, they are. Um, I've seen people really shocked on Twitter by some of the revelations that happen in this. Whereas, I mean, I am amazed because if you're if you're shocked by some of these, you really are not trying. There are other plot points introduced which make this even more, even less believable. Um, I won't go into them because it's wow, it's kind of spoilers. Even less believable. Even less believable. <laughs> the shapeshifting aliens. On there are cliffhangers that happened at the end of an episode that are just completely forgotten about within two seconds of of the start of the next episode. You're really selling this to me. But it's, oh, here we go. But like this, it's a six-episode run, um, and it's pretty entertaining. Like I don't think this is top-level Marvel by any stretch of the imagination. But it's really good people. If you can get past the first and second episode, three and four are all right. Put that on the poster. Oh yeah, it's definitely my yeah. favorite. You're not going to watch this. I'm not going to watch it. Should I? I mean, you're you're really not selling it to me, like I've said. No. I really don't feel like watching it now. I started off thinking, oh yeah, Olivia Coleman, and you had me, and then you started telling me about plot points that don't work and yeah. slow, and yeah. Are you going to carry on with I'm it? I'm going to carry on purely because this will lead into something else, and I like to. I'm pot committed on the MCU now. I will watch everything they do until it stops. But I'm just. <laughs> I would, the other day I was like thinking, I don't know when the next film's out and I can't to now I, I can't even know. You know, I can't think I think it. it's the Marvels and I yes, think it is yeah, in it is. Yeah. November. But yeah, great. Um I mean look, Miss Marvel I really enjoyed, mm. so that'll be fun from at least that element, but yeah. Hi Jack. Hi Jack. Um for something slightly different, but still including espionage and other such action thriller type events. So Hijack is a, a a mini series, a seven part mini series that's been on Apple TV for a little while. It arrived on the 28th of June and now we're sort of like mid, mid July. So it's taken me a while to get to it. Yeah. People were talking about this a lot because this is an Idris Elba vehicle and everyone loves Idris Elba. He gives good character and he's right at the center of this. I don't really have to explain too much about what happens because the title sort of gives it away doesn't it 
Idris Elba is Sam Nelson. He's a corporate negotiator. He's in Dubai. He wants to get back to London where his possible former wife can't quite work out if she's sort of they're completely divorced or not or whether it's just a separation and son are. Lots of other people are in Dubai wanting to get back to London as well. So they all go on a flight and I wonder That's what That's kind of happens. how our travel works, yeah. Yeah, I wonder what happens on the flight. Bit of turbulence. Bit of turbulence. A lot of turbulence. A lot of... Oh, yeah, that's very clever. I I could have put that into my review, and now I'm sad that you've plopped that in there, and now I can't use it. But, yeah, things happen. This is... I'm going to put my my foot on the ground and and state my claim, and I know a lot of people out there will be going, oh, my... But this is British 24, right? It's in real time. You are watching the hijack take place. It, It plays out on an aeroplane which obviously there's only so much you can see on a plane isn't it it's, it's a tight environment yes but then you also get to see what's happening on the ground at air traffic control at the um, counter-terrorism teams you know at, at, at sam's former wife and and max beasley who is the wife's uh partner and but also happens to be a policeman and i know and he knows someone who's in the the counter-terrorist unit so it's just i love it i love it i wasn't gonna watch it because i'm about to get on a flight and i was really put off because i thought the last thing i want to be watching uh, a load of terrorists on a flight um, stopping people get to getting to their um, their destination, and also I knew there were like going to be kids on the flight as well, and that whole children in peril type thing is really really doesn't do me any good. So I I stayed away from it, like I say, for quite a while. But then everyone started talking about it, and I heard that there were like these comedy moments and comedic elements in it. I thought I'll just give it a go, and when I saw Ben Miles of Coupling turn up as the pilot. And when I saw Eve Miles turn up, yeah, I was like, Eve Miles is here, Archie Punjabi's here, Max Beasley's here, and the, the one of the hijackers has a Geordie accent. I was just like, this is it, I'm in. And I watched the first episode, and then I watched the second episode, and then the other day I watched another two episodes, I'm up to episode four, and then I went to watch episode five, and it's not released yet. I was going to um, say, yeah. It these, is coming out. This has like, been siloed, hasn't it, for you? Yeah. Um, I just love it. I think you have to take it with a complete pinch of salt. But there are things that happen on that flight that genuinely terrified me. There are moral dilemmas. You know, if a terrorist asks you to do something because someone else will get hurt, do you do that and therefore put the rest of the flight in danger? You know, who, who you know, I was thinking about this. It's a trolley problem, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Yeah, what's the trolley problem? Oh, right, okay. So it's a moral thing. Um, if you see, you know, like, you know, like the trolley um, kind of light rail system in San Francisco that they've got? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like the, the thing that take you up. Like a, a monorail? Big, yeah, it's kind of like a funicular tram okay, system. Yeah. yeah. One of them's coming down the hill. Yeah. You see, um, like, there's a group, it's going to hit a group of people in, in the track. Mm-hmm. You have the chance to move it to a different line but that will kill one person right do you do it yeah that's it that is it yeah would, would you do it 
Would you kill one person? It's really difficult. I sat there thinking about it in the context if it was you on the flight. Let's say the terrorist wanted something and all of my training was to never ever give them that thing. Yes. But they put a gun against your head and said, if you don't do the thing that is going to put everyone else in danger that I've been trained all of my professional career not to do, that is against every single thing that you're meant to do in those situations, but you would die. Would I do it or would I not? And I've sat thinking about it for quite a long long time. So anyway, so it gets me thinking. I'm worried about that. Yeah, I know. know. But that's what you put yourself... I think a really good show allows you to put yourself in the position of the characters. Yeah. And And that's what it does. We had this earlier in the year with... Um, cabin at the end of the woods didn't we mm. where it invited you to for a moral decision mm. I would really like to watch this it's I just, think you'd really yeah. like it hun. and I haven't even expected like Neil Maskell turns up as one of the terrorists he, do you remember he was the, the really sort of off guy in Utopia the one that was just really unhinged I only watched the first that? episode of I think that's all you really needed for Utopia but anyway he, and he's been in Litvinenko recently he's done a lot of stuff I think this is really really good role for him he's a brilliant actor there are loads of other people I could just listen this and list and part of the fun is going oh there's so and so there's so and so you you will really like this but going back to that comedy it's not played for laughs as in oh ha 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 isn't it funny you know there's terrorists on a flight and we're all gonna die isn't that there are just little Britishisms especially in the dialogue one of the um, terrorists starts a conversation by going tell you what and I thought oh that is that is how people speak people speak is by saying tell you what you know dot 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 and I, so I really like the dialogue the people behind it just before we, we move on I wanted to um talk to you about this because this is something that we really loved the people behind it are George Kaye and Jim Field Smith who are the people who wrote Stag do you remember Stag do you remember watching oh, that years Pete. ago yeah and we loved it and it was really subversive was it was it Tim Key? Was it Tim Key or was it the person I always mistake? That you always Tim think Key? is Tim Key. Yeah. Yes, I think you're right. I think it is Tim Key. But anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Yes, I remember so Stag. So they've worked together on a number of projects. My understanding is that they were like childhood friends who've become writers. They are geniuses. And I think we need to keep an eye out for what they do next because they've got a great back catalogue when you look at their Wikipedia entry. And this Breaking is news. great. It's Jim Howick, who's the person I always <laughs> mix up Tim for Tim Key. Key. Yes. That's right. Anyway. Apologies to Tim Key and Jim Howick. Huge recommend from me. It it, it it just reminds me of those days of watching Kiefer Sutherland running around. Uh, it, it's not that... You know, sometimes it was a bit po-faced, 24. You know, it, was, it took itself quite seriously. Yes. This is not taking itself seriously to that level it is a serious there are serious consequences to someone hijacking a plane and the, one of the central mysteries is why they've done that so yes. i find that really interesting that's very compelling for me and i'm up to you know episode four and i'm still thinking Ooh, what is what is going on here um i think it's great it's it's five stars all around for me i know we don't give tv shows ratings, but i'm just really really into it and i recommend it to everyone i've been so for reasons that we may or may not get to I spent a lot of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 thinking, I'd quite fancy doing a rewatch of 24. Um, and But this might be a nice little nicotine patch for me to get me through that. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I think you, you'll really love it. Mm. 
Okay, I'll check it out. I will. Like it's it's one that I've been meaning to, but you know, got Downton Abbey to catch up on. I know it's hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, t- there's been an imposter coming to. <laughs> Pretending to be, he's he's I not. He's it, not gone off the Titanic. Yes, yes. Someone who may be an imposter uh, has turned up recently. So, uh, but he's burned, gonna, so we'll never know. I think it's going to be hilarious now for the, for the next. I mean, it might be hilarious for me, not for anyone else. But for the next, like, however many years we do this podcast, just every now and again, a little reference to Downton Abbey will come up, where everyone will know whereabouts you are in the series. <laughs> You've even downloaded the film as well. I see that's popped up on the sky. Sky yeah, box. just in case it disappears at any yeah. point. Because this is the big end game that I want yeah, to watch the film. Yeah. So yeah, just in case, because Sky mm. sometimes removes stuff. So yeah. whereabouts are you in Downton Abbey at the moment? Uh, towards the end of the second series. The second series, yeah. wow. Downton's still a military hospital. Yeah. But the war is ended. ended. The war is ended. Yeah. How exciting. <laughs> Saturday night at the movies Who cares what picture you see When you're with your baby Nimona. A film I have not heard of. I know you were saying it's got loads of people talking about it and I'm feeling a bit daft now because I've genuinely... A, I didn't know you'd watch this. B, I didn't know it existed. I Tell think, me about Nimona. I think we mix in different circles. Online, <laughs> All anyway. All the time. All the time. Online, anyway. So, yeah. This is the latest animated adaptation of a graphic novel that's come out. It's on Netflix. There's a bit about the production that I'd like to come back to, so please just remind me of that. But um, this is a sci-fi but it's set in a world that's very influenced by the Middle Ages. So you have a group of hereditary knights who protect this city from a legendary mythical monster which may or may not have happened in the past. But also you've got flying cars and big walls around the city. And It's really reminding me when you're describing it and as someone who knows nothing about it, it's like a computer game. It's sort of feels that way to me you know okay. with knights protecting a thing but then also a sci-fi element yeah i mean yeah i mean i could see yeah i understand where you're coming from on that um this is the story of ballister bullhart i mean these have great names um who's played by riz ahmed who is the first commoner to be allowed to become a knight traditionally it is always the son of a knight that becomes a knight things like that but um, he you show him growing up, working his way through to be this to train, and the queen chap decides to change the rules to allow commoners to become knights. At his knighting ceremony, shit goes down that I won't spoil. Um, he then has to team up with Nimona, played by Chloe Grace Moretz, who is a shapeshifter for reasons. Um, and tries to work out what's happened, prove his innocence because he's being accused of things that he may not have been involved in. And, yeah, just essentially try to evade capture by the the knights who are chasing after him. Um, This is a lot of fun. There is... It uses loads of humour. It's really... It really has a lot to say. It covers every single thing of modern life. So, you know, Ballister is in a relationship with another knight who just so happens to be male. Like, it's not a big thing's made of it. He's just in a relationship with a man. Um, It talks a lot about not fitting into society. It talks a bit about breaking down the patriarchy and the oppressive systems that's always been in place. And these are all things that tick tick in the box for me. If I was to criticise it a little bit, it sometimes 
puts them on a little bit too heavy-handed. There was times where I felt like I was watching a modern version of one of those faith films that you see advertised, um, like... God's Not Dead. God's Not Dead is the yeah. one that we always go back to because yeah. that was advertised at a metro station, a metro station. for years. <laughs> um, and I'm like, right, you, you, maybe it's the fact that you've got me worn anywhere. And I'm like, yeah, okay, you don't need to explain this to me a little bit more. Um, but yeah, this is a lot of fun. Um, some of the visuals are absolutely beautiful. It's a little bit inconsistent at times. Um, but yeah, um, like there are shots in this where I was... I think we talked about it with Spider-Man of like, yeah, you could put this on, on your living room wall. It's that beautiful. It's funny. Everyone's got really awesome names. Who wouldn't want to watch a film where there is a character called Ambrosius Goldenloin? <laughs> it's got some great voice actors like Francis Conroy appears. RuPaul appears, weirdly, <laughs> out of nowhere. Um, yeah, like the voice acting is really good. Um, the characters are really likeable apart from when they're not meant to be likeable. Yeah, I I really enjoyed this. You could do far worse than just spend a bit of time watching um, this. Where is it? Is it Netflix? Netflix, Netflix yeah. yeah. The reason I, I watched this without knowing the history of it, this was a film that was uh, in in production with a thing called Blue Sky Animation, which was then bought by Disney and shelved because, ah. you know, you can't do yeah. LGBT. Oh, God, really? Yeah. Oh. Fortunately, uh, it's been picked up and finished off the mm. film. Uh, and I think some of the, when I say some of the visuals are inconsistent, that might be the reason why. Mm, that might be it. But yeah, um, you know, like this is a film that has something to say. It's trying to, it's trying to educate people, and I'm all for educating kids on mm. what it's like to be feel different and what it's like to be like a little bit of an outcast and how it. It doesn't. Everyone's a little bit different, and it doesn't matter if you're a bit different from people you're around. Is this um, marketed at kids? Then is it sort of a YA type of? I don't think there's anything. I think it's yeah. I think it probably fits. I don't know what the actual classification is. Mm. It works PG. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'll I'll show you the poster. Uh-huh. Like that is okay, marketed so very much at very kids. Very much marketed at yeah. kids. Big, bright, bit of yeah. people with big eyes yeah. and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Okay. PG. I mean, and there's nothing in there that you that I wouldn't be happy with. You know, mm-hmm. my eight or nine year old watching. Yeah. It's just yeah. It's 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 a lot of fun. Are you sick of me doing that yet? I mean, it, you went and saw this on Friday, yeah. and boy, have I, did that not get boring. <laughs> well, it's the only thing I could do to stop myself from shouting massive... I nearly jumped on there. From shouting massive spoilers at you, because every time I see you when I come back from a film that you haven't seen, there's like this compulsion to just shout so-and-so's lost their right leg or um, someone's got two heads. I'm trying not to shout plot spoilers for Mission Impossible. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> You're watching How to Get Ahead in Advertising. Yeah, those things do not happen in Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Um, but yeah, so the only the only way I can, I can stop myself from doing it is to do something else, which is sing the theme tune. So that's what I was doing, which really, really annoyed you, I know. But it was better than me shouting something that would have spoiled the film for you. Okay, fair enough. I think that is fair. So, is this the seventh film in the Mission Impossible? Oh, franchise? I haven't got a clue. Let's I say it is. Got a Let's clue. say it is and just move on. I quickly. get really confused, right? Because you've got Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible Two, John Woo, yeah. Mission Impossible Three, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Mission Impossible, and then I think it went to something like Ghost Protocol. Bro- Ghost Protocol. 
Rogue um, Nation. Rogue Nation and Fallout. Fallout. So that's six. But I don't know. Like, Fallout was the last one because I remember that. But yeah. I couldn't tell you whether Rogue Nation or Ghost Protocol were... I feel Ghost Protocol was first and Rogue Nation was the, the, the later... But I could have got that completely wrong. But that's my my feeling. And mostly I do it by the length of Tom Cruise's hair. Because in the John Woo, <laughs> he's got quite long hair. And yeah, and I just, I love this franchise. Sorry, I'm just going to jump straight to it. I love this franchise. I really, I started talking on social media the other day about my, my, my very personal reflection on my love for it. And there's just, there's just bits of it that when it comes to mind, it just makes me smile. Like... The fact that um, Tandy Wayne Newton is like a thief in Mission Impossible 2 and it's the John Wooness of the circling motorbikes and the doves and, you know, I just love... It's just this these films, all of these films, apart from the first one, which is Brian De Palma, so slightly more subdued, all of these films are what I would call like these big, boom-bastic, blockbuster action thrillers with crews at the focal, you know, focal point doing all of his own stunts and just wowing us with what's what's going to happen on the on the film. I love it. I love the team that they, they build. I love the new people that they bring in and how they, they change it. It's, to a greatest degree, throwaway nonsense. But I think it is one of the best franchises that has been created. I, don't, I can't think of any one of them where I go, oh, that was a complete dud. Um, so these are films that I've only seen once each. And for me, I think there was... There's definitely a fast moment where the franchise goes from standard with good stunts and stuff like that to being, oh my fucking God, let's travel around the world yeah. and doing set pieces yeah. one after the other. I and think that's JJ Abrams. I think that's after, I, I think that happened after three. Mm. But yeah, I think whichever one four is, that was the one where it kind of went into a different gear for is me. Is that where you, uh, one of them is where they're climbing up the Burj Khalifa? Yes. Yeah, is that the, yeah, yeah. Like, I do get the... where Jeremy Renner rocks up for a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and and when there's um, a glove, Simon Pegg sort of pops into it as well because he comes on board after three, I think. I mean, there's um, a definite change though, isn't there, in Simon Pegg's character sh- throughout these? Sh- yeah, he goes yeah. from comedy like comedy to geek yeah, in yeah. The, in a room all by himself to the the next minute he's on missions and yeah. yeah, yeah. But I just I really enjoy it. I think you have to run with it. And I think they are they have they've never been a massive box office hit. Mm. Like they're always do well but not phenomenally. But I think they are certainly for the film community seems to gather around these more than the public in some ways. But yeah, um, the amazing stunts, amazing set pieces, travelling around the world. What is there not to like? Totally. So when you went into this film, were you thinking, oh, more of the same? Had, had you seen the Christopher McQuarrie, Tom Cruise trailers that had been in the cinema where essentially he's doing a stunt and Chris McQuarrie's there sort of filming it? They were like I, you know a bit more a bit like Top Top Gun. Welcome back to the cinema type of thing. Uh, no, I'd seen the actual trailer, but I'd never seen. I, I know there's something with him hanging on the side of a plane, or yeah, something or like, like a balloon sort of thing. There's yeah, something, there's something going on. Yeah. No, no, I'd not seen them. Okay. But yeah, I I think I was well prepped. Yeah. And you were looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, this has got amazing reviews, and I'll say up front. I am as puzzled about these amazing reviews as I am about the mild reviews for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I'm positive on this film, but I'm not five stars by Are any means. Wow. Yeah. 
okay, so I am. <laughs> so this is going to be an interesting conversation. I'm I'm with the five stars, and um, Empire gave this four stars, but on the Empire podcast. Uh, the team were saying, oh, we kind of wish it was, you know, they were sort of like, mm, I would have given it a bit a bit more than the reviewer. And I was the same. I was like, this is definitely a 4.5 pushing a, push a five with some little niggles that I think if, if, if I looked at any of these films, I would have these issues with it. There was nothing massive that I couldn't get over. These are, you know, I've said it, these are silly big action thrillers. And so you've got to kind of let some things go. Just for clarity, there are big things that I can't get over <laughs> in this. Are you thinking about, um, are you talking about plot points? Are you talking about character development? I know we're not going into spoilers, but what is it that you found difficult with this film? So I This feels like a film that, has been messed about by COVID. There are characters that just disappear for reasons halfway through, like with just a line of, I need to go into a room by myself. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. I feel like that most of the time. I, mean, yeah, I, I would feel like that a lot <laughs> yeah. of the time. If I was in this, I would need... But yeah, it's... I I think that the, the total premise, and they've been quite tight with the premise. I didn't know the premise going in. Um, I think... So I'm not going to mention it here. But I think this has hit at the best and worst time for this. I There is a overarching theme that runs through this, which I'm fucking sick of hearing about. Oh, okay. Um, and I think it's it, it, to the point where, throughout the plot of this, this is just quite silly. Um, well, it is silly. But, of course it's silly. Yeah, but the silly, like, oh my God, this is so amazing. Like, I think the ending to... Indiana Jones is silly in a marvellous way. Okay. I think this is um, in a quite annoying way. Okay. I would just... And once you lose that, like, you're not willing... Like, we had this conversation with the Batman last year. Mm. That lost me early. And this... Nowhere near that. I think this is about a three star, three and a half star film. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there There is long scenes of people talking but nothing happening like there's the plot doesn't go anywhere yes, it does it, it, it's, the, got, it's relentless it's relentless but nothing actually changes there, so there is a scene in a nightclub mm-hmm. where it's just characters walking up going <laughs> yeah uh, yeah yeah and we are left we leave that after about 20 minutes with absolutely no more information or less than we than we went going in. It sets up something that might or might not happen. And then as an audience member, you're left going, oh, is it going to occur? And how is it going to occur? So I'm going to be very, very vague on this. Mm -hmm. Are we talking about the big choice? that? Yes. That makes no fucking sense. (laughs) But it's a Mission Impossible film. No, but there's... It's just a... Something setting up an action sequence for the sake of... It's like hanging James Bond over a thing of sharks when you could just shoot him. And at that point, I would, like, I've been sat here for 20 minutes just watching, for reasons that will become clear in the spoiler section, fucking Windows Media Player animations <laughs> in the background. And... And just, just do do me something. Explain it rather than just, oh, this is this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. Nothing will actually play into this other than, yeah. I I'm, It really frustrated me. I think that the there was nothing in the action that blew me away. There were things that I admired. Um, but I think part of the big problem is that the big feature 
um, action sequence in this has been played the shit out of in the trailers. And I think everyone talks about how, like, everyone talks about how Tom Cruise does his own stunts. Mm. But that's not part of the film. That's part of the production. And I don't think that we necessarily... I can't give that more credit because as part of my enjoyment of the film, knowing that he did them over a stuntman, because it's not part of the film. Does that make sense? I, I understand where you're coming from. I enjoy the fact that he is risking life and limb to 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 do this, and that but I'm not him. looking at a CG trickery on the face or anything like that. I enjoy the fact that it is him doing it, and the background knowledge of though his fellow actors watching him do it multiple times and Simon Pegg having a video on his phone. I enjoy that personally because I like that back story mm. to it. I, I agree with you. It shouldn't form part of your sort of your enjoyment or non-enjoyment of the film. That's just almost like a little, a little bit of tantalizing information to have at the back of my head. I thought that I was, I, I agree with you. I was underwhelmed by that set piece because I'd seen it so many times, but also because it was then taken over by a later set piece that I thought was absolutely phenomenal in the in the third um the the last third of the of the film involving other characters who were equally as in peril as he was and I loved that I thought that just and it went on and on and on more than I thought was going going to happen I agree but by its nature that is very CG that set the, the final mm-hmm. set piece yeah and I know can't be both ways yeah, you know, I, like, know yeah. I know yeah I know um, it's hit yeah I, I I agree Um, and I think there was an earlier there's an earlier chase scene like a car chase scene which feels where it's someone who's not a international spy driving a car and it feels like someone who's not an international Absolutely. spy driving a car and I'm like yeah. wow that's they're crashing into things, yeah, and going as you would do, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I really, really enjoyed that. Mm. But there was, yeah, I, th- I don't think there's anything that could compare to the Halo sequence from Fallout, for example. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not disappointed, but I'm just, I'm milder on this than, and plus, let's say this right now, and fair enough, it, it shows it's part one in the title, which is more than I can say for a couple of films this year. But this isn't a complete film. This film just ends. Yes, because it's part one. Yeah, but we, I, for me, I'm fucking sick of that. Like, I think that's a problem with just splitting a film into two parts, then, surely. But I think because how else are you going to end it if it's part one? It's got to come to an end. But I don't think there is necessarily. So okay, Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. Back to the Future Part Two. They've filmed it back to back. Ninety percent of the plot was resolved in Back to the Future Part 2, but then they leave something hanging for the next film. Yes. I don't think that 90% of this film is resolved at the end of this. This just... Right, so we, it's, we, it's more of the same yeah, coming. I th- yes, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not quite, quite sure where they go for Part 2 that retains the length of a film. Because it seems to me that at the end of part one, there's just one more thing to do. There's so a third I understand. Act to yeah, get to. Yeah, 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 there is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a set piece that's clearly been. I want to sing a song that's, that would be quite spoilerific <laughs> okay. and reminiscent of another film that might have been out recently. But uh... right. Um, well, I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it. Like, yeah. I'm glad you're not coming out of it going, "Oh, it's like the worst film ever." 
but I'm disappointed that you're not perhaps maybe you know at the high level of enjoyment that I was at my favorite thing about going to see this at the cinema just to finish off was that I was the youngest person in my cinema screening everyone else and I am not a spring chicken I'm 43 this year everyone else in that cinema was at least I mean at least I'm gonna be generous 60 um I know it was like a daytime screening that I went to and I went to one of our independent cinemas as well there's the reason (laughs) but still but still like I'm only in my 40s Surely there would have been someone else there a bit younger than me. All the same age. No, no, no. There were people who absolutely were of a of a generation or seven in front of me going to see this film. And I thought that was just really interesting from like a demographic point of view that they were coming out to see Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Fucking wish I was in that screening because uh, <laughs> there was kids near me that just oh really like this is not a film for kids. No, it's not. I mean, it's not. There's anything inappropriate. It's also but it's three just... hours long. Like, well, I think it. it well, it depends what level of kids you are. You know, I'm quite strong on the old um, ratings. Like, don't take and have I mean, I've been in a film recently where um, it was a strong twelve A. Like, I, it was a strong 12A and there was a four-year-old in the screening. Yeah. And I could not cope with that. And they had to leave partway through because, of course, they did, you know. I'm stopping now. <laughs> so well, I'm going to go into a rant about I mean, yeah, this, this was a family bringing... I can't try to tell it was dark, but it's probably a seven-year-old. I mean, I hate them anyway because they... Big, the biggest screen in our local cinema. Yeah. And did they sit I right was, in front of you? No, they, sat, they booked in right next to me. Like right next yeah, to me yeah, yeah. so I'm like I'll give you some more room yeah, move myself yeah. along because you yeah, do it on the yeah, app course, now yeah. and then yeah dad dad oh, well, what's he doing dad I wish I'd fucking moved further <laughs> than that I did yeah. <laughs> yeah more than two seats along um, yeah look I, I enjoyed it mm-hmm. but I would put this below the previous three I think okay. having not revisited them recently yeah, yeah. but from sort of muscle memory yeah but... okay should we go to spoilers? Yeah, a, a brief spoiler section. So if you're leaving us here, um, thank you for listening. We are on Instagram and Twitter as The Honeymoon Pod. If you'd like to leave us a star rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you can leave a star rating, that would be much appreciated. Oh, I think we're going to be back for, because it's a big movie week, isn't it? Barbie Heimer. I'm, do, I'm doing a back-to-back. You I've are. I've 100% decided. You're totally doing a back-to-back. Which one should I do first? Which one would you do first? Uh... I might start with Oppenheimer and then go for Barbie because I think finishing on a bit of more of a colourful you know can do it the other way around yeah I know you are I know you are why are you even asking me I'm just interested to know what you would do first (laughs) yeah well I wouldn't go to see two films in one day I think it's too much it's over the top (laughs) alright (laughs) ma'am remember when I mentioned to my mum that I was going twice in a day and she like was like no (laughs) that's my reaction (laughs) okay anyway thank you guys see you later bye so a brief spoiler section because I don't want us to get into the realms of me just going, oh, did you not like it? Oh, why didn't you like it? Because I've just done that for quite a long time. That's where they're going, isn't it? Under the sea. Which obviously was in Indy as well. Indy went under the sea. Ethan Hunt's going <laughs> swimming under the sea. Yeah, well, I think well, you've done great. that before as well. Yeah, you? yeah, I yeah. think I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But I agree that that section could simply have just formed part of this film because that, that's the end, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, he's going to go and find the big globy thing, 
and save the world because obviously that's what happened do you think here we go this is something that we could talk about um do you think that ilsa faust is actually dead no you don't think she is no oh do you think i'm just daft because I was like, came out of that film going, oh, I'm really sad for Rebecca Ferguson. Obviously, she's gone off to do Silo, which is excellent. Um, but I'm really sad for Rebecca Ferguson because they seem to have just swapped her out for Hayley Atwell. And it did feel like a bit of a, Rebecca's going now. Here's Hayley. She's an exciting new player. And of course, we can only have one woman. Um, so, so here's our new woman involved in the team. And I did feel really bad. And then I listened to other reviews and they were all saying, oh, well, she's coming back. She's got, yeah. it's, it's definitely a... The only what? thing that makes me think they haven't is the fact that they did the, oh, she's dead earlier in well, the film. Well, that's what I was thinking. And then, but yeah, I mean, I didn't see a body. There was like, uh, people... Wait, did. There was a knife sticking out of it. But people have got, I mean, there was a knife sticking out of Pom Clementieff at certain points, but she's, oh, there's still a heartbeat, so therefore we're yeah, okay. Yeah, there's a pulse. There's a pulse, it's fine. We didn't say that about Ilsa Faust. They just went, she's dead, let's all mourn her. But no one really wondered, did they? Yeah, we just yeah, kind of Sarah moved Pedro on. went in a room by himself and then came out and looked sad. <laughs> and, and Ethan Hunt stood at the top of a building where he also stood with her not that long ago, looking wistfully out onto Venice. Ah, Venice. And then two minutes later, he was, you know, back on Hayley Atwell. Yeah, by the way, yeah. I should have mentioned this in non-spoilers, I oh, love Hayley Atwell in this. I'm sure you do. Such a strong character. I think she's a really strong character. Yeah, yeah. I agree, I agree that just... she is interchangeable with Ilsa Faust. Yeah. And there is a point in this, because let's talk about the AI-ness of this. There is a point where someone talks about source code, and I'm like, oh yeah, remember his wife, Michelle Monaghan, who appeared in the film <laughs> yeah, Source yeah, Code. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, She's been forgotten again, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, I the AI makes no sense. Like, I, I, at one point, I really thought, oh, they're going to have to do this without technology. And I thought that was yeah. a really interesting way. But, oh, look, it's analogue rather than digital. We can do the same things we want. Like, the mask machine, I thought, was going to have to be, like, disabled. But no, it just broke for reasons. I didn't understand that why it, it broke... It, it almost looks like he... Simon Pegg did it. You know, like yeah. in that scene in Friends where Joey like comes back in and he's broken the chair. He's like, yes. oh, turns out it's broken. Turns out yes. it's broken all along. Yeah, that's something that yeah. wasn't quite right there. I don't know if that'll mm. come back. There is a scene where Simon Pegg is shown activating self-driving car. Yeah. Um, I know people keep having to go at that as well when I've listened oh, to that's their spoiler idiotic. reviews. I think that's really clever. I think that is that was reminding the audience that we are so used to using these assistive technologies now i thought that was a really clever writing point like that him actively doing it without even thinking about it without thinking oh well an ai could take over but it's just part of who we of who we are now that but, we use these but nothing actually come, becomes of it yeah yeah no that's fine no do you not just think it was bmw saying look you need to hit the fucking no, self-driving no, car I don't. and we're not having our fucking no. technology going wrong because I just, I, I like I guarantee it. that conversation was had at one point. It was like, and someone said, do you think we can get away with it? And people were like, yeah, no one will notice. I, yeah. I thought it was very good. Okay. I took it in the way it was intended. Thank you. I'm fucking sick of AI. Almost as much as I'm sick of hearing the term but, entity. But why, why are you sick of it? Because, is it because it's so in the news at the moment? And like, even oh, in yeah. my world, in the world of academia, there have been calls for you know, the, going back to sitting in a room and not using any sort of technologies whatsoever, which is absolutely not what I think should be happening. But, you know, the, there's all sorts of these conversations. Get that in there. Go, yeah, well, um, 
there's all sorts of these conversations go- going on around AI and do you think it's just a daily occurrence? Because I liked it as a plot point. I mean, it's, it's Skynet, isn't it? It's Terminator um, all over again. Yeah, I mean, so... It's nothing new. No, uh, uh, like, it is the latest buzzword and things that were pretty standard a couple of years ago, people are now saying, oh, we use AI to determine. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure that... I'm pretty sure that something like... Um, Price comparison searches online will say, yeah, we use AI to determine the best deals for you and things like that. I was in the car um, a couple of hours ago and um, the presenter on Radio Newcastle was talking about how you can get Freddie Mercury to sing Careless Whisper using AI and that was very exciting. But I was then thinking, I mean, if this is the the extent of what we use AI for, that's going to be very sad, isn't it? But then also we don't really want it to become sentient and like kill us all so wh- where's your where's your limits you know would be suboptimal isn't it yeah, i mean yeah, yeah. you will you won't have had the paperclip problem will you no no okay no. So can i go over this yeah, re- go on. yeah so the paperclip problem is the idea that you use ai to say to a computer find the most efficient way to make paperclips and make as many as you can and reward it for that and so the the orders materials and things like that and then the computer will eventually realize that the thing that's stopping it making more paperclips is humans are using resources. So what's the best way to make more paperclips? Kill all humans. Ooh. So that's that's the oh, idea. I don't like that. that. <laughs> you don't like that. I don't like that. So in just to make sure, in the big AI war, don't say Elaine is against <laughs> is against <laughs> all humans being killed. Yeah, let's not order any paperclips. Wow, that's that that that's as good as when um when the I think it was the sun put Demo O'Leary on the front of the paper saying he was against ISIS, which, <laughs> massive, brilliant moment in media history. Uh, really turned the war on uh, terror. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we've gone off, a bit off track here, but yeah. yeah, like, so this, Gabriel. 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 Yeah, I think it's, it's not a, it's not an intonation. Anyway, I don't know. anyway, go on, carry spent on. Spent a lot of the film trying to work out if it was the same actor who played Tony Tony Almeida in Twenty Four. You did not. I did because there is a flashback where yes, he when is the age, yeah, and he yeah. looks a lot like Tony Almeida. Ah, okay, <laughs> like fair enough. Yeah. Um, so he he doesn't really do very. I I don't think he's as good as a baddie as let's say Philip Seymour Hoffman, who is one of the greatest baddies. But he's not a baddie. He's, he's not the baddie. The well, he's, baddie he's a, is a, a fucking a Windows Media player. He's a conduit. And it, the point where he comes in at the club and goes, yeah, he needs to choose one of those need to die. Hmm. Why? Well, no, he's not saying that. He is saying the AI has told him that someone is going to die tonight because it can predict the future, essentially. It, can, it knows all the patterns. It's got the algorithms. I don't know the technical terms, but you know what I mean. So it, it's that the AI has said... In order for him to get the key to be able to carry on with his dastardly plan, one of these women will die. It's not saying you have to... Get, it's, but why, I took it why, is, why does it stop yeah. at that point of predicting the future and not tell know. you which well, one actually well, is no, going to it die? Says, because it's that's the game, isn't it? That's the game for Ethan Hunt is like, well, which one will it be? And... Yeah, one of them will. Either you can tell me what's going to happen, mm-hmm. or you or you won't. Like, we either have free will about people's choices. I think you're thinking too much into this. I don't think anyone else has thought about this, is the problem. Luther just going away to, like... Well, that's clearly know. setting something up for part two, isn't it? No, I think it's clearly setting up that there were reshoots that he wasn't available for. Oh, okay. uh, that's how it felt to me. Oh, really? 
I'll yeah. Um, maybe I'm less suspicious than you. <laughs> maybe maybe this is it. Yeah, oh, like I loved I loved the train sequence. Um, although there is that weird bit where I thought it was a revelation that Kittredge was a was like a baddie in this. No, not Henry Zerny. He's, he, I think Kittredge is one of those people where you do you trust him? Do you not? What's his end goal? But I don't think he's ever a main baddie. I think he makes decisions that aren't necessarily the way that Hunt would make them. Mm. But I don't think he's an out-and-out baddie. I think he's trying to do the right thing in his own way. This this, this feels to me like a film that's so bloated because Carrie Elvis, yeah. who's in this, Lovely. for two scenes... <laughs> Really? Can I all this? Yeah. Oh, no, I just mean like him turning up, not lovely in a sort of like, ooh. Oh, I'm sorry, I was getting yeah. a bit confused. <laughs> not in a sort of like, ooh, sort of way. More in a like, oh, Mark, Mark Gatiss is here. Or, Always um, fun. there's Rob Delaney. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. Just like a random character actor thrown in. But then he turns up at the end and is possibly killed. I mean, we ah, he's, he's bleeding out on a floor. And it's yeah. like... It feels like a film where they have cut this to shit and like started plot points but not been able to remove earlier references to them. If I think there's big problems with the editing in this. I think there's either editing or writing, one of the two, and they couldn't edit the bad bits out. It's yeah, it it, it was a disappointment for me. Um I mean, like the the big jump off a cliff, great. But a lot of a lot of the things seem to be done by chance rather than skill, which I think is a big problem for the MI team. Like, there is a point where Hayley Atwell is confronted by someone with a gun, and I can't remember which of the nameless baddies that was doing it. And Ethan Hunt crashes through the side yeah, of the train. So and it's a great yeah. comedy moment, like, of yeah. how he comes from nowhere. I understand. But, yeah, like, I like to see them resolve things by skill. Like, I really enjoy the bit in the airport where they are trying to work out and put in the thing, you know, mm-hmm. putting the different faces on people so and trying to avoid, oh, you ram this corner. Felt very video game-esque yeah. at that point. But Ethan Hunt just coincidentally barging through to a thing feels like something from a different mm. franchise. I think you, it, it sounds, to me, it sounds like you like that thing where they almost show you in clip form how they're going to do something. They almost like show you it. And so that you can see how it would happen if it worked well. And then you go back to the beginning where they're about to embark on the mission and something usually goes slightly awry. I, you know? I, I, I just, I actually find... Almost like that Edgar Wrightness of, we'll do this, we'll do that, we'll do... You know, and then, we'll, uh, yeah. Um, Sam and Peg again. Yeah, well, that's uh, what I'm thinking. I, yeah. I f- actually find it a different way. I prefer it when you see that... Like, this isn't something that happens in these films, so I'm reviewing something else, but, you know, like in Hustle, where you see, like, you go back and then you realise that stuff's been happening oh, okay, all along. Yeah. Ocean's Eleven does it very, yeah, very well. Yeah. And you realise, like, the things that you saw that were just random, you thought were random, or were actually part of the bigger picture. Okay, I understand. Man walks in with a watermelon. Yeah. Um, You're going to ask me if I get that reference. No, no, you won't. That's a reference to, I think, the very first episode of Hustle. Okay. (laughs) UK TV show. I heard the other day that Hustle might be coming back. It's been off our screens for 11 years, and it might be coming back. 
Maybe it's you. Maybe you're thinking about it so much you've manifested it. I, I, I would love it if I could manifest that. Yeah. I'd like Interceptor to come back. What's Interceptor? Oh, well, I mean, this is something for a spoiler section. Okay. Interceptor was a game show. Um, it was kind of treasure hunt light. Mm-hmm. So you've got two people either side of a city. Um, and they need to, they've got an hour to meet each, meet each other in the middle. So they're probably like two or three miles away. This is on telly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why have yeah. I heard of this? Uh, they've both got backpacks on. They're wearing, it's late 80s, early 90s, so of course they're wearing big, um, like, um, like, shell suits. Yeah, yeah, yeah colour-coded. And the, yeah, so they need to get each, they need to get a key, and it's the key to each other's... Um, Backpack. Yeah, backpack. So if say me and you are the opposite side of Newcastle, yeah. I need to get a key and then meet you and I've got the key to your backpack on oh, the way. <laughs> and one of them, one of the backpacks contains money. Oh right, okay. Same time, there is a guy called the Interceptor, <laughs> who is this big Scottish character actor <laughs> who has like a like wearing a big black trench coat. He has a helicopter, a black helicopter, a black motorbike. Um, Getting the yeah. picture. And he has like a zapper gun and there's infrared sensors on the back of these, the backpacks. And if he zaps you, that thing's locked and you can't get the money. Wow. I imagine it was... Are you sure you're not making this up? No, 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 no. no. It was presented by Annabelle Croft, which oh, again right, okay. adds well, to the... Yeah, yeah, on brand. Okay. And let me show you a picture. This was brilliant. This was like a proper thing in the Gregerson household. Um, and the the guy, the interceptor, is like proper plays it um like chewing the scenery like i think he pretends to be a raven at certain points go, <laughs> ah, ah. uh let me oh, i've never asked this question <laughs> well we're watching this tonight i don't really want to i mean there is the interceptor pretending to be a raven <laughs> oh that is so that is so mark's just showing me a picture of a man with his hands up in the air he's not even like it's not even like a CGI raven or anything like that. It's just a bloke uh, pretending to be a bird. There's a kestrel. There, oh, there he's is got a, a kestrel. He's got a kestrel now. Like you can see, like the levels of overacting. Yes, I see. Like, so anyway, this this could be a this could be a. I think we should bring the podcast to an end now. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time to go. I don't think that's unfair. I don't think that's unfair. Uh, if you're leaving, if you're leaving us here, please do come back. There'll be less interceptor next time. If you watch the interceptor, oh, please no. get in touch. <laughs> At the honeymoon part again. Oh no! Right, we're going now. We will be back to talk about Barbie and Oppenheimer. Are you watching both of these? Yeah, think? but separately, darling, like a normal. Person. Well, I didn't think you'd be watching them at the same time, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, on a different day. Okay. I've got too much to do. Fair enough. Fair See enough. you later. See you later. Bye. Bye.